You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good morning and welcome to Recruiting for Mamas. Um, my name is Jennifer Powers Johnson. I have a Division One athlete. His name is Jackson Light. He plays football for Corner Canyon High School in Draper, Utah. And today's podcast is going to be about what I like to call the job interview, which we're going to go over uh, evaluation during uh, off-season springtime. And then we're going to also talk about the initial offer and what it looks like when you get an offer. So this particular episode will cover the job interview and the offer. So let's get right into it. Every year in the off season, there is a period of time um, from the time the high school season ends um, while everybody goes very, very quiet. Uh, The coaches all around the country are finalizing their recruiting rosters. Um, depending on where they are in the process, they might have, they might have a bunch of verbal commits, and uh, they also may be preparing for bowl games, that type of thing. And so after this season is over, there's kind of a a quick push for the first couple of weeks um, of December, and then around December fifteenth, and and this varies from year to year, depending on the calendar that the NC2A puts together. Uh, they will go into a quiet period, a dead period, and then they will do the first signings. We're going to talk about signings in a, a later episode. Um, but then they get ready for bowl games or the the coach coach's wheel of prizes starts and people move on and find other jobs or move up and find other jobs. Um, and then there's kind of the Christmas holidays. And uh, after that, it really is um, kind of a dead period until roughly uh, the April time frame. Now, during, from January to the April time frame, or the April time frame, what you should be doing is you should be in the weight room every day. You should be working on your speed and agility. You should be working with a position-specific coach a couple of times a week and just really practicing your craft and and pushing forward in order to become the best athlete that you possibly can. Um, a lot of kids think this is like the off time. It's not. There's no such thing as a real off season for football. There may be the week after uh, the championship game, in theory, if you made it to the championship, uh, that could be off season. But the truth is, at most, you should be taking like seven days off and maybe Christmas and a couple of days at Christmas. But other than that, Uh, You should be in the weight room daily and doing all the things you want to do to get better at your craft. Um, The moment they are able to get out in the field um, or out on the recruiting trail, most coaches absolutely get up and get on on the recruiting trail. And in 2019, that uh, started, I want to say, April 15th. This year, we're in a complete and total shutdown. The NC2A, as well as all the conferences, have said no recruiting 
Uh, so a lot of this is happening kind of virtually this year, but once uh, we're through this current climate relative to worldwide health, I, I expect things to some extent will return back to normal. And so what will happen is coaches from around the country will look at where their top recruits are uh, for the uh, class that they either just signed or their upcoming class that they're working on. And they will kind of map those out. And then they will decide to come into a specific area where there may be one high school that has two or three kids they're looking at, another one down the road that has one kid they're looking at. Um, they know they have to go to a specific area to see a specific recruit. So they're not gonna come all the way to an area and not hit every high school that they possibly can hit because they don't wanna waste a trip doesn't make sense to fly to, say, Salt Lake City and just go see Corner Canyon High School. While they're here, they're going to see Corner Canyon. They're going to see Alta. They're going to see Jordan. They're going to see uh, American Fork and Lone Peak and Sky Ridge and Bingham and Orem and Timpview all in. And if I left out your school and you happen to be listening to this, don't take it personally. Um, they're going to see every single school that they can possibly get their eyes on so that they can uh, size people up and they can get a feel for that person uh, different from their film. You're showing one thing on your film, but essentially in real life, uh, you are showing um, them kind of who you are as a person. And so what will happen during this time frame? And, and I just need to kind of take a side note. Every uh, football recruiting staff in the nation has limited resources relative to who can go where. So you're not going to have, if you have a uh, wide receivers coach go to Utah, you're not also going to send your O-line coach. You're not going to send your running back coach. Whoever covers your geographic area, they're going to cover it for all positions. So for instance, you may have um, a defensive line coach who is in charge of your uh, geography, and he will essentially be coming and doing those evaluations for everyone on that staff of that program. So um, in Jackson's case, when he was being evaluated by Oregon, his position coach wasn't necessarily at the school um, evaluating him. Another position coach was at the school um, evaluating him on his colleague's behalf. So just kind of keep that in mind. So what will generally happen is uh, colleges will want to hit as many high schools as they possibly can. So a lot of times they will call the head coach and they'll say, hey, listen, I'm planning on coming in on Wednesday of this week. Or I'm planning on coming in on Tuesday of this week. And they give them kind of a general outline of when they think they'll be in. And the best time to be able to evaluate talent is during the weight room session because you've got a bunch of kids who are in there for either early morning lifting, afternoon lifting, perhaps they're in a weight class and they're all, it's generally all the football players that are in that class and they're all in there pumping iron and juiced up, not juiced up, jacked up, no, wrong, <laughs> excited. I don't know how to say that in a way that doesn't sound like they're I don't know. They're all hyped up because they're encouraging each other and going for maxes and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, so you need to be aware as uh, a parent and or as a player that during that spring evaluation time, 
you could see uh, five or six schools come in, uh, uh, colleges come into your high school every day. So when this was going on uh, for Jackson, he would come into the weight room on some days and USC would be there and UCLA would be there and uh, Utah would be there and Oregon would be there and Stanford would be there and sometimes Alabama would be there or LSU would be there. And so during this time, number one, it's super duper important to essentially know today is a day where I could go into high school and I could be having a job interview with various different schools. And I may see five schools that day. Um, and I want to be uh, doing everything I can to put myself in the best possible light with these coaches. There is never a second chance to make a first impression. You really want to make your best first impression right out of the gate. And so when you walk into the weight room, number one, body language. You need to hold yourself like an athlete. You need to hold yourself like someone who feels confident in their body, someone who uh, has confidence, who uh, knows how to look people in the eye, who look knows how to shake hands. Now, you have a much better likelihood of running into coaches in your weight room if you've got someone on your football team that the an older classman that the other colleges are interested in possibly recruiting. So, with Jackson, we were incredibly lucky because Van Fillinger, uh also Josh Wilson, um, Cole Hagen, the kids that were older than him were getting recruited by various different schools. And so schools would come in to see Van Fillinger and they would turn to coach care and they would say to him, who else should I be talking to? Or who else in this room, uh, should, um, I be aware of? And then the head coach or one of the other coaches would say, oh, you know what? This is that, this is what we have that you're looking for because coaches are also being very candid with the kinds of positions that they need. And so every day that you go into that weight room, be prepared to possibly do a job interview. And so once again, that's body language. That's knowing how to make eye contact. That is holding yourself in such a way that you're a professional. That's a good handshake. That is engaging conversation. If if your player is not good at having conversations with adults, that's going to be a problem. We've always been lucky with Jackson because he's generally actually for years way more comfortable with adults than he was with actual kids. We're kind of an intense family. And so sometimes like kids just want to be kids and Jackson just never really was a kid. He was always kind of like this mini adult, especially since he's the youngest. And so, uh, he never had toys. He only had sports. (laughs) He wasn't interested in playing with toys. He wanted to go hit a ball or he wanted to go wrestle or he wanted to go tackle someone. Anyway, so make sure you could even be role-playing these conversations, um, with your athlete and walking them through, this is what it looks like. This is the, this is the energy you want to put out when you're having that, uh, job interview. And then um, lots of yes sirs, um, uh, being engaged, uh, asking them how they're doing, just be able to hold a conversation. Um, be someone that they can see that there's leadership there, um, that they're, that you have interest in them. Um, 
Jackson would come home and say, oh, I talked to so-and-so and so-and-so today. And they also talked to this other kid on the team. And I would be like, oh, that's awesome. They, they talked to th- that other kid. And then I would later see their parents like at the grocery store or at a football game or baseball game or whatever. And I'd say, oh, I heard your son talk to this university today. And they'd be like, what? the kid had never told their parents that they were essentially going to a job interview that morning. So just be aware of that. Uh, Be prepared that come the springtime, that's absolutely when those conversations are going to start happening. And you want to make sure you're putting your best foot forward. You're making a good impression and and you're moving forward with that. Um, So there's two things that should happen after you've had that kind of interaction with a coach. The first thing is when your football player comes home at the end of the day and checks in and says, hi, mom, I'm home from school, or hi, dad, I'm home from school. The first thing you should say to them is, who came in today, right? And you're, you as a parent are taking notes. So I would say to Jackson, who came in today? And he would say, this college, this college, this college, and this college. And I'd be like, great, how did it go? And he would be very candid with me. Sometimes he would say, yeah, they... Um, don't need my position. They're not interested in me. Um, so he, sometimes he would say, oh, they love me. Um, uh, other times he would say, yeah, I had a really good conversation with that specific coach. So I'm wanting to know um, from a parent p- perspective, what was discussed in that conversation? What vibe did you get from that coach? And the other good thing about it is from a player standpoint is you get an idea of, is this coach a super intense coach? Is this coach someone I can relate to? Would this coach, if they ended up offering me, be somebody I'd like to go play for? This organization be something that I would like to go play for? So um, this happened a lot during his sophomore year, as well as um, this is now his junior, the end of his junior year. And so in theory, there would be tons of schools coming in. But uh, during his sophomore year, we were really lucky because they were there to see Van. And then Jackson just always seemed to kind of be around when they were seeing Van. And so he was able to talk with them as well. Um, so just be aware of that. You're going to make a list of all the people that your player talked to. And then what are you going to do with that information? Uh, the first thing you're going to do is make sure you get on Twitter and follow that specific um, coach that you spoke with that day on Twitter. Again, you're looking for a follow back on that because you just had a conversation. That coach now knows exactly who you are. He then came away from that interaction with you with some sort of impression. Um, And so let's follow up with that on Twitter. Uh, The second thing we're going to do is we're going to update our big board on that. We're going to say, okay, definitely had a conversation with them. They, they're interested or they're not interested. So sometimes they are very deep in a position and they're only looking for, let's say, defensive tackles. And if you're not the guy for them on that, then you know, okay, they're not interested in me at this point. That may change in the future. Uh, but right now, I, I'm not going to put any energy towards that school anymore. And then the last thing you're going to do is you're going to go to your coach because what happens after... Um, those job interview type interactions happen is that um, that coach that came in from that college will debrief with your head coach. And so you're going to go to your head coach and say, what'd they think? Did they have any feedback? And sometimes you're not going to like what they say. Sometimes they're going to give you feedback and that feedback will be something that, ugh, really, that was it? So uh, 
we had a couple of coaches that came in and said to Jackson, oh my gosh, we love your talent. We love your footwork. We love um, this, this, and this about your play. But the truth of the matter is, is that you are not keeping your weight on. And, And Jackson really struggled with that for a while. And so what that said to Jackson was, listen, we're, you're, you're almost in a position where we could offer you, but you're not doing this piece of what needs to happen in order for you to get offered. And so honestly, with the two coaches that really did talk to Jackson about weight, that was a huge gift to us because although he hated hearing that and it kind of got him angry, um, we as parents were able to go, this is awesome. Because a lot of times if you don't get that feedback, how do you know what to what to work on? So Jackson got very, very serious about his eating at that point. And um, it kind of got almost comical. He would try and eat. Uh, he's a lineman. He's a center. So he, when you play center in college, your weight should be anywhere from up around 290 uh, up to about 320 depending on your body's type and whether or not you've got good weight or bad weight and so he he was he needed to gain 25 30 pounds um and because they really wanted before anybody wanted to offer him they really wanted him to be at around 275 because it said to them listen we we've seen you at camps uh, we've seen you in person you know what it looks like when you're going to play at the college level. And you, although you seem super strong and you've got all the talent in the world, you don't seem to be taking your eating very seriously. So it made him take his eating very seriously. And he was trying to get down uh, three meals a day, lots of protein. And then we would pack him 10 peanut butter and jelly sandwiches uh, to take to school with him every day. And he would eat those 10 peanut butter and jelly sandwiches throughout the day because peanut butter is one of the best ways to put on weight if, you, if you're a lineman. Although I'm not a nutritionist, so, uh, but we did consult with a lot of people like, how did you gain the weight? How did you gain the weight? Especially when you're an athlete because you're burning so many calories every day doing workouts and lifting and all the activity that you're doing during the day. So he took his eating really, really seriously. And between the time he got that feedback and the next time he showed up on a college campus for for a camp or for an unofficial visit, again, we're going to talk about officials and unofficial visits in a later episode, he had gained 25 pounds. And it was uh, such a, a great feeling for him to walk on campus and have different coaches at different universities say, oh my gosh, you're looking great. I can't believe, how much weight did you gain? And he was proudly able to tell them, I, I put on the 25 pounds. Um, and and it was weight gainer and it was all the things and he really had to stay diligently on top of that. So the recap on that part of the job interview is I'm making sure I check with my head coach and just say to him, what, what, what did they say about me? What do they like about me? What do they want me to work on? And then you have a, a blueprint for what you need to do in order to improve and, and move up their big board like we talked about in the other episode. The other thing that happens at this point is colleges that are interested will start pulling transcripts. Um, it makes absolutely no sense for anyone in the country to put out offers if kids 
have not taken care of their academics and will be unable to qualify to play at the college level. So they will, um, at some point, your counseling office will send home a form and you can be proactive. You can go into your counseling office um, at your local high school where your athlete's playing and you can say to them, listen, I wanna sign a form allowing you to send my to send my athletes transcripts to anyone who comes and asks for them. So I remember Jackson uh, calling me and I want to say, and it was like in the January timeframe, um, just post sophomore year. And he said, um, listen, uh, I talked to my coach and my coach says, they're going to be pulling transcripts today. You need to sign this form. And so he's like, mom, seriously, hurry. <laughs> Cause Jackson's very like right now, let's, we got to stay on this right now. So I had to hop in my car and drive down to the school and sign the form so that they could pull the transcripts. And so what's really kind of great about that from a parent perspective is that what it says to it's another buying decision essentially an offer decision that they're interested enough in you to pull your transcripts that's a big deal because why would they bother if they weren't interested so once again it's a really good sign if they follow you on Twitter. It's a really good sign if they talk to you when they happen to be coming through the school, when they're out on the recruiting trail. It's a really good sign if they pull your transcripts. So uh, I flew down there. I signed uh, the form, and they and people were able to pull his transcripts. But that also made Jackson incredibly on top of his grades. Um if some assignment got missed, he and he would see that. He'd freak out because what if they pull my transcripts today and I didn't get that assignment in on time? So it kept him from being in a situation where he was letting everything kind of pile up on him at the end uh, of a quarter or a semester versus uh, doing it right now. Now, here's a little secret inside tip, and I don't know... If this isn't a secret or if it is a secret, but uh, at the end of the year, I had, we were going to be doing a college, uh, or sorry, in the beginning of spring when they were starting to have spring practices, we decided we were going to go out to um, a junior day at the University of Oregon. And what I wanted to do is be prepared for going to that junior day at, at Oregon. So I went into the counselor's office because we were... Um, working on some additional credits because Jackson's planning on graduating early in December versus graduating in the spring with the rest of his class. And there's all sorts of advantages to that. And we'll go over that probably in the official, unofficial episode. And then we'll talk about uh, early signing date, late signing date, and uh, why from a strategic standpoint, it may make sense for you to have your child graduate early if that's at all possible or if it's something they want to do. Anyway, we were in the counselor's office and I said, I really like to get a copy of his transcript so I can take him with me when we go to Oregon, just in case I need to have a meeting with them uh, relative to him going through the application process. And so as I'm sitting there, she pulls up his transcripts and she has a complete list of everyone in the country that she sent his transcripts to. And I was like, oh, and I got to be completely honest with you. There were colleges that had been pulling his transcripts that we had not necessarily even had um, any 
extra conversations with. So, and they were pulling them a lot. So it was like saying, listen, we haven't had a chance to get out there to talk to you yet, but we're interested. We're so interested that we keep pulling your transcripts. Um, so there were universities on there that he had maybe had one conversation with very early in the process, and now they were pulling his transcripts once a quarter. And there were lots of universities on there that we hadn't necessarily uh, been focusing on. And at this point, Jackson had absolutely verbally committed to the University of Oregon. And what was surprising to me when I looked at that was how many universities were still pulling his transcripts, even though he's very publicly already committed to Oregon. So I guess my pro tip about that is if you want to kind of see what level of interest you've got feel free to absolutely go down to your counselor's office and say, or you could even give them a call and say, which universities have been pulling my kids' transcripts? And they can tell you. Because it's not like the high school sending those transcripts out on their own. They're only providing them when they're being asked. And that'll give you an idea of, ooh, like I'm on these guys' radar. They cared enough to pull my students, my athletes' transcripts. Okay, so that's my little pro tip. Um, along that same lines, um, we were very proactive with the ACT. That's what they take here in Utah. Um, so when Jackson was uh, a freshman in high school, we had him take the ACT um, just on a whim to get a baseline of where he was in the process. And don't expect those scores to be good. They're uh, incoming freshmen. But I would really recommend that because it doesn't count for anything. You don't have to send it to any colleges. Um, but it'll give you a really great baseline of where your athlete is and uh, wh- you know where, where you need to work on. And then when they take it again their junior year, you can see the improvement and uh and and get a better idea for their growth in those subjects and then um we actually had Jackson take it again because um we gave him some tips and tricks on the testing methodology and he did way better uh the last time he took it because he understood the, the tricks of the test anyway The reason why I mention ACTs and SATs is because all of the scores, even the ones that you um, are just practicing on, need to be sent to the NC2A Eligibility Center. Now, what they do when they get those multiple SAT or ACT scores is they take your best score in every category, and that's called super scoring, and that is considered what your ACT score is and your SATs. So if you get a 26 in science and a 29 in math and a 20 in uh, reading and a 23 in English um, on various different tests, that those would be your super scores that you are um, using in order to determine your eligibility and, you're, uh, and that determines whether or not you're able to play when you get to college. So just kind of be aware of that. And even if the scores are terrible, all scores must be sent to the, SC, to the AC. Holy moly. NC2A. There's too many initials here. Uh, eligibility Center. So that they can, because they want to keep track of all of it. I mean, it's just a rule. I have no idea why it's a rule. Okay. So 
just to recap that portion of the situation of today's podcast. In the spring, expect that your student is going in every day to high school, uh, ready to have a absolute job interview at some point during that day, especially if you've got um, a high-end recruit at your high school that other colleges are coming in specifically to talk to. Make sure that your body language is absolutely saying, I'm an athlete, I have confidence in myself, eye contact, engaging conversation, gratitude, yes sir, yes sir, yes sir. Um, Make sure you have a firm handshake, Uh, Make sure that you're doing two different debriefings after those conversations happen. So Jackson would send me a text and let me know sometimes, or otherwise he would come home from school that day. And I would say, who came in today? And he would say, so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so. And then uh, make sure you're debriefing with your head coach of your high school program to find out what it is that they want you to work on. And then make sure you're working on those items. Okay, we're coming to the big moment, the offer. Um, I want to talk about the offers now and what those look like. So depending on when you get your first offer, the coach, if you are a junior, you're, the coach can literally pick up the phone and call you and say, we're just so pleased and excited and proud to offer you. Um, we'd like to extend you an offer. Uh, if... Uh, you are under your junior year, they cannot deliver that offer to you in a personal conversation where they pick up the phone and call you. There are two ways that they would be able to deliver that offer. The first would be if they had happened to be at your school and you happened to be in a weight room or a classroom where they were meeting another student that was a junior and then they could present you with that offer, okay? So, uh, And then that would just be the coach pulling you aside or pulling a couple of you aside um, saying, listen, we were here to see so-and-so, but we're really impressed with you. We would like to give you an offer, okay? And that first offer is by far the most exciting, the most wonderful, uh, fantastic moment in the world, like the... Everything you've been working for at that point has now been saying, yes, I'm on the right track. Again, it's just an invitation to do more work. So it's not like you've, oh, I've achieved my goal. No, no, no. (laughs) This is just step one of of achieving your goal. The other way an offer can come in, if you're under, uh, if you're not a junior, okay? So juniors, they can just call up and give them an offer. If you're a freshman or a sophomore or in crazy situations and we hear about them handful every year where a 12-year-old in Alabama gets offered a full ride by LSU or something. Um, But if you're under that age, what will generally happen is they will reach out to your head coach and call your head coach at a specific time. And the head coach will know that this is the time that the offer's coming in. And so essentially the coach from the university will call your high school head coach and you will be at the high school head coach's office or uh, in uh, their home and he will put this conversation on speakerphone and they will extend you an offer. So uh, all the offers at this point until August 
uh, going into your senior year are going to be verbal offers. They're not going to be able to put anything in writing because uh, they are barred by NC2A rules in order to uh, put things in writing. But these are verbal offers. And um, so when Jackson got his first verbal offer, James and I, James is my husband, Jackson's dad, uh, we're like, is it real? It's not in writing. Is it real? Is it, you know, is it real? <laughs> and we, we kept going, uh, did you talk to him specifically? How did that happen? Who told you? We ask all these questions. Um, if the head coach is absolutely involved in the process and the head coach tells you this offer is real and the head coach has spoken with the head coach of that program and or the position uh, coach of that program, it's a real offer. That's an offer. And so what I would say is, number one, you've got an offer. What now? Go out to dinner and celebrate. Uh Sit down and write a thank you note and let that coach know uh, how incredibly grateful you are that they um, sent you an offer, that they extended you an offer. Make sure you include the position coach on that. Make sure you include the recruiting coordinator on that. Um, it's a big deal. It's a, it's a big, big deal. And, uh, you know, it... it it's essentially uh, some massive uh, uh, gift relative to how hard the athletes have been working this whole time. And you probably as a family and how uh, your family has been working for this moment to happen because it, it the athletes definitely have to go out and they have to play on the field. Um, they have to perform. It is them that goes out to, to war for everyone. But there's not an athlete in the world that doesn't have a giant support team around them. Moms, dads, coaches, strength and conditioning coaches, trainers, uh, uh, teammates, uh, parents in the community that carpooled and fed and and did all the, all the things that it takes to... to raise an athlete and, and give them every shot at moving on to the next level. So take a moment and really enjoy that. And then the second thing would be gratitude. Make sure that you are specifically reaching out to the people who made that happen and believed in you. And then last but not least, you are going to announce that offer on Twitter and you are going to make sure that you, uh, are, are very grateful in that. And and I have some thoughts about how that should be announced on Twitter. I see a lot of kids who go out and go, I've got my, so my first offer is always going to be my first offer. I'm so grateful to have my first offer from this university. Massive thank you to this coach and this coach and this coach for believing in me. And, and, and you're tagging those coaches. Um, you're also going to tag in that particular announcement, your 24-7 sports rep, your rivals rep. Um, and then e if you have an ESPN rep, if you're at that far along in your process that you have one of those reps, you're going to make sure that you tag them as well. Um, but after that, if you get an additional offer, never, 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 never say, this is my second offer. This is my 54th offer. This is my 42nd offer. What that does is that completely and totally... Um, 
illegitimizes uh, and the current offer. It puts it in this order, like they were late to the game. Um, it also, uh, is, it's just disingenuous. It comes off as cocky and disingenuous and um, not humble and hungry. And that's uh, something that we really work on over here as well is um, don't believe your hype. Don't believe your hype. Because once you start getting an offer and or offers, those coaches are saying, listen, we believe your talents will come to our university and make an impact. And the worst thing that can ever happen to a student athlete is to believe their own hype. That's just the worst thing ever. So at our house, we're in a constant like, hey there, guy, you have all this, but it could be taken away tomorrow. If you're not going to continue to work hard, be humble, be hungry. There's always more to learn. There's so much more to learn. There's so much better you can get. So, uh, I yeah, when it comes to wording any additional offers after your first offer, concentrate on gratitude. Concentrate on thanking the people that got you there. Um, don't worry about the number of offers. Don't worry about... Um, being showboaty on those. It's just a bad look. And uh, that's my two cents on that. I didn't realize I felt so strongly about that. Okay, I think I'm going to go ahead and wrap up uh, this episode today. Um, So basically, we spent a lot of time on the job interview. We spent a little bit of time on what the actual offer looks like and sounds like. It'll either be um, a college coach calling you directly, either a head coach or a position coach, or it will be a head coach or position coach calling your high school head coach, and then that head coach will bring you into that conversation if you're um, under um, your junior year. And even when you start to move from your junior year, there's a specific date that they can reach out and start talking to you, and I think that's what we're going to talk about um, in one of the next episodes, I call it the shift. And it's where you go from trying to sell yourself to a bunch of universities to a bunch of universities trying to sell themselves to you. And we'll uh, end up covering that next time. So with that, if you guys have any questions, please feel free to send me a direct message. I would be more than happy to answer any questions. And also, I'm not like an actual expert. I'm just telling you the experiences that I've had. So if I've un- uh, if I've misstated anything in this podcast, I apologize. This is just um, my point of view and how it worked with us. Okay, hope you have a great day. See you next time.